Hey everyone, it's Greg here. Welcome to another episode of Intentional Wisdom. My guest today is Dan Go. Dan is a well-respected and well-recognized fitness coach who caters to entrepreneurs and high-performing executives. He is a familiar face to many on platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, the latter being where I came across his work and where he has amassed an incredible following of 200,000 plus followers. That's awesome stuff, Dan. Congrats. Um, Dan's done a lot of great work on the topic of fitness after 40, which I am keenly interested in personally, and I wanted to have him on the show to discuss. Uh, in this conversation, we talk fitness, we talk nutrition, we talk sleep, and we get a window into the habits, routines, and systems that Dan uses himself and with his clients. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Before we get into it, uh, this episode is sponsored by the Intentional Wisdom Newsletter. Yes, that is my newsletter. If you'd like to receive one email every other week with the best of what I'm learning on habits, routines, systems, motivation, etc., from awesome folks just like Dan, go to gregcampion.substack.com and subscribe. This week, I'll be sharing some of my favorite highlights from this very episode. All right, enough intro. Here's my conversation with Dan Go. All right, Dan Go, the Fit Founder, is here in the house. Welcome, man. Appreciate you joining me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm psyched. Uh, I'm psyched uh, that we got to do this. Uh, I've been following you on Twitter for a long time, and uh, love love everything you do there. And then, you know, a lot of the stuff that you've been doing with the the podcast uh, recently has been really cool um, as well. I just listened. To, uh, I think I tweeted at you. I just listened to your one with uh, Sahil Bloom, which was super great. He told some awesome stories on that. But uh, but uh, but listen, hey, like I, I don't know if there's folks who don't know you. Um, uh, you know, Dan is, uh, let's see, an entrepreneur. He, uh, he's uh, at, at Fit Founder on Twitter, has built an incredible following for himself there uh, and, uh, and, and running a business where he's coaching uh, clients on, on things like fitness. But I'm sure I'm going to do a terrible job of describing you and your background, Dan. Like, maybe let's start there before I start peppering you with questions on nutrition and fitness and all that. Like, love to hear just a little bit about um, your, your kind of backstory. In terms of like where I come from, um, I used to be a very unfit guy myself, and that was my starting ground or kind of like, I guess, I guess you could say my seed as a lot of people would say is like your struggle is going to be, uh, the thing that you end up helping people with or yeah. your biggest struggles. Yep. So I was like a high school dropout. I was not necessarily having any purpose in life. And mm. my normal day to day would be during the day I would sit down, I would eat a bunch of chips. Uh, and I would be on the couch playing video games. And then at night I would chill with my friends, probably partying, getting drunk yeah. and yep. doing some form of drugs. Um, yep. Yep. and it wasn't necessarily until I got one of the biggest wake up calls in my life, which is my mom passing away. Mm. And there was actually two things. One was, I remember my get in terms of like getting myself fit. I was running down the basketball court and then I felt like a jiggle on my uh, chest and I was like, oh shit. And I turned, I went into my mirror inside my bathroom and I was like, oh crap, I got man boobs. So <laughs> that was like my first signal. Yeah. Yep. So I did whatever I could to get myself in shape and I yep. did somewhat of a good job of that. And then I really decided to take my life into my own hands when my mom passed away. And, uh, and pretty much like I've used crisis as opportunity uh and i've developed this strength to use crisis for opportunity in every single area of my life and 
Uh, and yeah, now, I'm, you know, before that I was actually owning a gym. I owned a gym for about uh, 11 years mm. and, uh, kind of like got my experience and, you know, kind of like helped people in that. And then sold that gym in 2018. And then, uh, for the past, I would say four years now, I've been helping entrepreneurs get themselves into shape. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for that background. It's pretty cool that you are, you can look at what you're doing day to day and be like, wow, I'm like legit impacting people's lives for the better. So congrats on that. That's really kind of, cool. Thank you. It's uh, it's pretty surreal to think about it when you sit down and kind of just like look at what's happening. Um, but that's uh, that's been my whole purpose uh, ever since I started fitness was to change people's lives and to do that on as big of a scale as I can muster. So yeah. right now it's happening and still beginning. I'm still in the beginning stages right now. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that philosophy. And I've heard you talk about that before. It was kind of like this kind of no ceilings approach to, yeah. to life. And I love that. Love that philosophy. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, I told you, we wanted to talk about, you know, kind of fitness after 40. So, um, I think we're sitting here as two guys in our forties who are, you know, I'm 44, you're I think early forties. Right. Um, so we're, we're kind of, you know, navigating this world. I think hopefully we are, um, finding that through, you know, proper nutrition and fitness and sleep and all that kind of stuff that you don't really have to lose a tremendous amount of performance necessarily in your forties versus where you were in maybe in your thirties or your twenties, but you probably have to be smarter about it because, you know, your body's just, uh, is aging and it's, and it, and it is, you know, operates a little bit differently than it does when you were younger. So Let's start with nutrition. Um, as I think about the, you know, listeners to this podcast, I man, I'd like to make it relevant for folks, you know, in this similar age group to us, but maybe even those younger and those older as well, because I'm sure a lot of your principles sort of apply to different age groups. But let's start with nutrition. I mean, tell you, tell me overall, like, especially as you like work with your um, clients, curious, like what your overall philosophy is and, and kind of how you approach nutrition, generally speaking. For sure. Uh, when I think about nutrition, I think about two things. And a lot of people focus on pretty much what the what of nutrition is like, okay, so what should I eat? What type of food should I eat? Uh, you know, they, they think about kind of like the what of nutrition. For me, it's about 50% how and 50% what. And for me, the how is, uh, is what we call, is what I would call circadian fasting. And I don't want to really put such a label on it, but we want to attune our eating habits and our schedules to our circadian rhythms. And to me, it's really easy. It's like, okay, so your uh, final meal is going to start about three to five hours before you go to sleep. Your meal before that is going to be about three to five hours before that. Your first meal is going to be about three to five hours before that. And uh, if you do need to snack, you can always like snack in between. So what we want to do is we actually want to create a, a meal schedule that works with what our bodies naturally like to do. That's number one. And also do it in a way that fits our lifestyle and also in a way that mitigates hunger. So a lot of times people will be like, okay, well, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to skip breakfast and uh, eat at like 8 p.m. at night or whatever it is. And what we found with a lot of people, it's like, okay, well, you keep on doing this and you think it's working, then why are you trying to lose the same 20 pounds over and over and over again? <laughs> yeah. You know, and what they don't realize is that some certain things that you do can actually cause hunger later on in the day. So let's just say you skip breakfast and it causes you to overeat at night. 
that's obviously a signal that that's probably not working for you. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been this kind of like big uh, debate on whether or not you should eat first thing in the morning or not. But mm-hmm. we actually mm-hmm. like to say, hey, let's let's actually just put ourselves on the schedule, follow for about 14 days, and let's see exactly what your body correlates to. And a lot of times people will be like, well, I'm not hungry, you know, at the beginning of the day or certain times of day or whatever it is. And and one of the things that we realize is that you actually shouldn't eat when you're hungry because like when you eat when you're hungry, that means that you've actually waited too long to eat your meal. You want to actually mitigate the hunger before it actually happens. Mm. And along with the how, we actually focus on, okay, so how are we eating in the first place? What do most people do? They turn on their phones they're looking at their phones while they're like trying to like munch on their food and they distract themselves i know some people who eat while they're walking um which is obviously not necessarily a good signal that you're unless you're like on the pga tour or something like that yeah yeah. i mean like unless you're john daly and just (laughs) (laughs) smoking cigarettes and like walking walking on the tour and eating like a hot dog but we want to make sure that there is a a sense of mindfulness that you're bringing to the foods that you eat and you want to be able to sit there. You want to be able to smell the food, digest it, With uh, actually go through the first stages of digestion. You want to be able to eat it mindfully, which means eating it slowly mm-hmm. and also monitoring with yourself. Okay, so how full do I feel after I've ate this amount of food? And it's not going to be perfect, but this is what I consider to be the long-term uh, habit to eating healthily, which is to actually do the work up front and fix the way in which you eat and also your relationship to food. So the second thing is the what. And we go with uh, high-protein diets uh, that are nutrient-based and they are primarily whole foods, but it doesn't mean that you should do this 100% of the time. You should allow yourself maybe... I look at uh, healthy eating as a ratio, not an outcome. So when we think about healthy eating, you have to say that, okay, so where am I getting 90% of my calories from? Probably high-protein, nutrient-dense sources, things like vegetables, things like meats, uh, things like even uh, legumes and possibly even like uh, single ingredient carbs. Okay, cool. Now, what is the 10% of where I'm getting my calories? Personally, for me, it could be like a Magnum ice cream bar. You know, Mm -hmm, it could be mm -hmm. uh, an alcoholic drink for some people. But we want to be able to bake in things that that they feel that they can do on a regular basis because sustainability is the thing that matters most. It doesn't matter if you just like lose 20 pounds in like six weeks. Who cares? You know, if you lose 20 pounds yeah. in six weeks, it doesn't matter. What yeah, matters yeah. Is, is that you lose 20 pounds and keep it off for a year, but you can't do that if you're actually doing unsustainable things. And for a lot of people, unsustainable things means things that are almost uh, in, that are almost fighting their lifestyle to a very large degree. So we want to bake in flexibility, but we also want to do it responsibly. And that's what I would say from a nutritional angle. That's what we do with, that's what we do and work on with our clients. Now, there's another piece to this as well, which is okay, so what are, what units are we using to measure what we're doing and whether or not we're seeing results? So, what do most people do, especially like entrepreneurs? What do most people do? They, they, if they are going to increase their income, they track their sales, they track their income, they track conversion rates, things of that mm-hmm, nature. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them, I ask the very same entrepreneurs what they do or how often they track their weights. And then I just get like nothing but crickets <laughs> because like yeah. they, they are in the, they are of the uh, type to be the ostrich that just puts their head in the sand and and just like doesn't want to see exactly what happens mm. and just like kind of just like avoid the entire uh, reality of what's happening with their health but no you need some form of measurement 
when it comes to knowing the numbers of your body. So the very basic form of that is your weight, yeah. obviously. And uh, for a lot of people who are not Arnold Schwarzenegger, who are not you know, bodybuilders or men's health models or whatever, who haven't been lifting for 10, 20 plus years, the BMI is still going to matter. To the to a very large extent. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we wanna that we wanna track is measurements. You know, what is the measurement, especially of the waistline, because that's the one that matters the most from a health perspective and also yep. from a confidence perspective. And then we want to get some blood work. Um, I actually, so I mm -hmm. just got blood work done for myself, mm -hmm. and um, I'm 42 years old right now, and now is the time where I am very focused on longevity and health. I'm at, uh, I'm not going to say I'm at the midpoint. I think I'm at like the 40% mark of what life is. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm living as, as much as I can. So, or living as long as I can. So one of the things that came back to me was like, okay, my testosterone was at 671 uh, nanograms per deciliter, which was like, awesome. I was comparing it to like some other like fitness dudes on YouTube. I'm like, holy shit, I'm 42. And I got like more uh, a little bit more testosterone than, you know, X person or X person. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow them up, but I was like super stoked about that, mm -hmm. but what what came back as risk was my LDL cholesterol, mm. and 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 one of the things that kind of like popped out to me was just like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit too flexible with my diet at this very moment, you know. Mm. So mm. Mm. so we have to know what the blood work is, and uh, and we have to know exactly what the blood is saying to us. So the other one is a DEXA scan. It was just getting like uh, your body fat test. So. You know, knowing your numbers is going to help you manage them. And also, it's a great way of like scaring yourself too. You know, if you really want to like spur yourself into action, mm. do those four measurements right now, see exactly what's up with your body. And then that alone is going to make you want to improve and make you want to improve based on what reality uh, is, not what, not the reality you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, you give me so many, so many things to, that I'm curious about now. Okay, so um, blood work. Uh, if so, you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, like this guy's saying blood work. Like, what, what would you specifically look for? In is there a service? You go to your doctor? Yeah. Do you use like an inside tracker? Or what do you recommend there? As you just mentioned the last one, which is inside tracker. Mm. Um, I use them for the blood work and. Uh, that was at the recommendation of Andrew Huberman. Um, mm -hmm. And I got my blood work done. Someone actually comes to your house. They take the blood samples. And, uh, and, and I got back the blood test and it showed me pretty much like what all my numbers are. Now, I'm gonna, not going to sit here and tell you that I am an expert on blood work yeah. whatsoever. Um, this is something that we would actually get a doctor to look at. Uh, this is something that you would, uh, you would actually use in conjunction with your GP. Um, and you would get obviously the feedback that you're getting from inside tracker based on what they see in your blood work. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But, but is there like one or two or three things that you were looking for? So you mentioned testosterone was of interest to you. Yeah. Cholesterol. Yeah. Testosterone, testosterone just from like a, I'm like, it's one of those things where I'm just like excited about, I'm just T like, okay, I want. Testosterone, yeah. you, had, you had me laughing on with a, a tweet that you put out today about testosterone. You're like, oh, here's a whole list of things that like <laughs> are signs of low testosterone. And then one of them was like, what was it? Commenting that you're unfollowing somebody. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, yeah. I started cracking up when I saw that one. That, <laughs> That's was, a, that, was, that was a funny one. Uh, I would obviously look at LDL. Um, ferritin is one of those things as well. Um, what other things? Blood glucose levels. Uh, hemoglobin, 
And those are kind of like the top things that come to yeah. mind when it comes yeah. to the blood work. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. And then the DEXA scan, I've heard you talk about that before too, but yeah. that's basically like a more exact measurement of the fat percentage in your body. Is that right? For sure. So DEXA scans are the most exact way to measure body fat and it's a, it's an x-ray. And if you get the right DEXA scan, it can show you so many things. So number one is obviously it shows you how much lean mass you have and how much body fat you have. And the other things that it shows you is where exactly do you carry this body fat? And for a lot of guys who have like beer bellies, skinny fat, whatever it is, they usually carry it around their waistlines. The other thing that it shows you is something that's called the visceral adipose tissue, which is the amount of fat that's around your organs. And this is the most uh, dangerous fat that is out there. And that is like one of the things that the DEXA scan can tell you. And, that, and I, can, I can see exactly what's happening with someone's health just by looking at their DEXA scan. You know, because when we see exactly, let's just say like the Android level, which is like around their waistlines, we know that one, maybe they're, they are going to be pre-diabetic at some point. Uh, maybe they're going to deal with... Uh, insulin issues, you know, being pre-diabetic, maybe they're going to deal with blood glucose uh, issues as well. There's a lot of things that we can see just from like a body fat angle. Now, these things are just correlations, but we want to, we, we can actually see a lot just by seeing exactly how much muscle someone has, how much body fat that they have on their body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And where they sense. carry it. Yeah. Cool. Um, on the flexibility front. So I, I think that's a good message. It, it, it makes sense that, um, that having some flexibility would make your your uh, eating habits um, more sustainable. That makes sense to me. Um, I'm just curious about because I'm thinking like for myself, I tend to operate better actually when I have like specific guardrails. Like yeah. I'll, I've I've done a lot of like crazy streaks, like you know, no alcohol for a year, and it's yeah. just like okay, like that is a very clear. I've drawn a like line in the sand, and I know I'm not going over that. The flip side of that is like when you do go over it, then you could, you know, kind kind of go off the rails, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I want to get your view on this. So one of the things I've been doing recently is, um, and it's a it's a little bit of a pain, but tracking basically everything that goes into my mouth. So I'm using an app called Carb Manager right now, where I'm basically yeah. it's it's basically I'm sure you're very familiar with this. It's it's very similar to like My Fitness Pal is another one where there's like, you know, they have thousands and thousands of foods in there. So most things that you're eating, you know, somebody's already entered it at some point. So you just type in the first couple of letters or you can even scan barcodes and things like that. So I've been doing that and not necessarily doing it to like try to hit very specific like carb targets or, you know, you know, macro targets overall, although I'm kind of conscious of what those levels are, but it's more, um, this is kind of funny. It's almost like a motivational thing, but I find that the act of having to put something into that app, like is enough friction that I'm like, screw it. I'm not going to eat that. Or at least, you know, what it, you know what it does is, is it, it, you mentioned mindful eating, which I think is a really great way to think about it. I think personally, when I go off the rails, it is because there's uh, mindless eating and it's like, okay, something really stressful is going on. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm ready for bed, but let me just go. I, I end up with a cereal box and I pound like, you know, 
multiple bowls of cereal. And then I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about Mm. it. And then I was thinking about whatever my problem was or whatever. Um, But I just added all these, you know, uh, empty calories and carbs. So anyways, where do you stand on that whole idea of like tracking what you're eating? Do you think that's over the top? I don't. uh, I, I look at it like this. It's what you measure is what you manage. And especially when it comes to a food angle, one of the things that we do with our clients is we just get them to track their foods without even trying to lose weight. And one of the things that happens as a result, I remember I was working with this client before, and uh, we just told him, hey, just track your foods. Don't even try to follow a calorie count. Just just track it, you know. And he started tracking, and he did this for like a week. And he came back at us. He's like, Dan, I am a fat, filthy pig. <laughs> and uh and we were like yeah no 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 you know william it's okay you're, you're good this is just the way that you're eating but what it does is what he realizes that it gave him an awareness of how much food he was putting into his body and yeah. the density of calories that came along with the foods that they were put that he was putting into his body and you know you mentioned something really um interesting which is the sense that you don't think about it when you're pounding down, when you're stressed and you're pounding down, you know, all this, like, you know, whatever it is, Lucky Charm cereal into your body because your brain is turned off. When you feel this emotion, especially if it's like a stressful emotion, what does it do? You know, number one, for a lot of people, they want to numb the emotion by doing something that will help them increase dopamine levels and just like completely forget about what they were, what they were feeling. So for a lot of people, uh, they turn to food or they turn to alcohol or they turn to drugs. And one of the things that we have to realize is that that happens. It's an awareness thing. So what can we do to actually move ourselves into a different path where, number one, we can deal with the emotion in a healthy way. <laughs> and instead of trying to like pound it down with like as many like, you know, marshmallows as possible. <laughs> and, and like we said, it's like what we measure, we manage. When you start tracking your foods, you start getting an awareness about what you're putting into your body, how much calories you're putting into your body. And then from there, you can ask yourself, okay, so where are my weak points? Where's my strong points? For a lot of people, their weak points could be like the weekdays. And they're like, I could just stick to my, my diet throughout the entire week. But when the weekend comes, it just all goes to shit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, is, that is for us. We look at it as like, okay, that's an area of opportunity. So what happens on the weekends that causes you? to want to go off the rails and where does that come from right and i always look at these things like when people start tracking they're like these are areas of opportunities they're not they're not things in which you should beat yourself up for mm-hmm. but you're what you're doing is you're you're tracking what's important and you're seeing exactly how you spend your budget on a weekly basis and i remember when i was working with a business coach before and he told me okay dan i'm going to give you the sheet every single 15 minutes you're going to write down what you did for the next 16 hours that you are awake. As tedious as it was, what happened as a result was I, I saw how much social media time I was spending. Mm-hmm. I saw how much creation time I was spending. I saw how much time I was spending with my family. I saw mm-hmm. how much time I was spending with my family while being on social media. And it gives you this awareness that you would not necessarily think about because you're just unconscious when these things happen. So... Um, I was telling some of my coaching clients this uh, this quadrant right here, which is called Johari's window. This is this is essentially the the levels of learning that happen, right? So the first level is unconscious incompetence, which is to say that you don't know that you don't know ever you have a problem. It's like 
it's like the guy who walks around and it's like thinks like everyone around him is like an asshole when he really is the one that's an asshole like mm-hmm. that is unconscious mm-hmm. incompetence you just don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. then you have conscious incompetence which is to say that oh uh, okay i know i have a problem i know i need to do something about it i just don't know what to do mm-hmm. and it's the guy who has maybe gained a lot of weight and he's like i don't know where to start what do i do how do i get this problem fixed and then you have conscious competence, which is a sense that you actually have to think about it. And you have to, you have to actually do the things that you're trying to do to improve the problem that you have. So uh, for a lot of our clients, it's like, ah, oh, fuck, I wish I didn't have to like think about this so much. I wish I didn't have to track my workouts or track my foods or whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, I say that, well, you need to go through this aspect of things because you can't just hope it's automatic without actually doing the work to make it automatic in the first place. So from there, you go into uh, unconscious competence, which is a sense that everything is automatic. For me, going to the gym four times a week, that's automatic. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, For a lot of people, they brush their teeth every single day. How hard do you think it got to? How many times did you think you had to do that? How many times do you think you had to miss and just keep on going back to it? in order to make that part of your life automatic. Mm-hmm. So that's where we want to get our clients to. That's where we're, that's where every human should want to get their health to. And it takes a lot of effort to actually get there. And you don't get there without awareness, without measuring, without actually being, uh, without actually being aware of everything that you're currently doing. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that a lot. The, um, I, I, the word awareness, uh, keeps coming up a bunch of times. And I think that's a really great way to, to think about it. Um, also, what you were just describing reminds me a little bit about the concept of like having rules. And now this may contradict with the idea of flexibility. I don't know. But like, mm. let me give you an example. So like uh, with regards to alcohol, like, you know, I'm 44 years old. I feel like I'm too old to be like waking up like hungover on weekends. It's just like a, it's just a waste. It Like I f- yeah. if I have a big night and I'm like feel terrible the next day, I'm just like, oh, my God, I miss a workout. And, and you know, you know, when you get to a certain age, it's like you're not hungover for one day. You're hungover for like three days. So like, yeah. you know, so it's yeah. just totally not worth it. So um, on the alcohol side, like I instituted a rule for myself probably a year ago. And it is like. I never have more than three drinks. And that is just like a rule. And that is, I don't know what quadrant that fits into now, but that is like, uh, was like something I had to work on, work on, work on. And then it was like, okay, that now that is just a thing. Like I don't, I I won't have more than three drinks. Right. And so, so I found that like in certain areas of my life, like, um, you know, I work out or I exercise six times a week. Like that's another rule. Like I, I'm going to do that six times a week. Um, and that's, it's, almost it's gone from rule to just being like the way that I operate. Standard, as they would say. Standard, standard. Raise my standards. So so you can't have flexibility without discipline. Mm, mm, Right? Think about that one for a second. You can't. Because let's just say like you want flexibility and you have the worst habits, the worst health habits on the face of the planet. You cannot have flexibility without actually having these rules and this discipline around the way in which you approach your nutrition, uh, drinking alcohol, or even your workouts, right? What people want to do is they want to be flexible right up front. And they want to be like, okay, well, I want to have like six drinks a week. And like, I want to just like, uh, you know, party on the weekends and just like, you know, go, you know, be tight on the, like the weekdays. It's like, no, no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you actually need to be restrictive up front and then bacon flexibility later. 
right? You'll see what the flexibility is after you bake in discipline, after you set a foundation of discipline for what you do in your health. Mm. And, and I think that's what you did with yourself, which is to say that, okay, so what's responsible for me? Is it three drinks, four drinks, five drinks? I think it's three drinks. We're going to do this. We did this enough times where it's just habit for you. And after the third drink, you're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Sorry, mm -hmm. I don't go past three. And that becomes a part of your identity. But you don't get there without actually setting what is the standard and responsibility for yourself. Yeah. Right? So if anyone is listening to this right now, it's like, you know, some people, they just want to go flexible right off the bat. And to that, I say, you haven't even learned the foundations of being disciplined yet. And you want to be flexible? No. Be disciplined first and then see what, see what flexibility looks like to you later on. Love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right. So let's move on to fitness. Fitness is, is obviously a, a real area of expertise for you. Um, and I want to get your views uh, on a lot of different things here, but, but let, let's talk about, uh, again, kind of overall philosophy on, on fitness. Let's say you're working with an entrepreneur and they're like, okay, I'm out of shape. Either I'm overweight or I'm skinny fat. That's a term you use a lot. Um, like where do you even start from a fitness perspective? And just tell me about that overall philosophy again. For sure. So we meet them where they're at first, right? Um, the program that I do on myself is not the program that another entrepreneur would actually do on themselves. Everything has to be customized. Everything has to be lined up with their lifestyle and the way that they like to do things. Because if it's not, then it's not going to work. And the, re the way I kind of like look at it as like, what is the minimum effective dose that they need to get the results that they want? Whether it's like build muscle, have more energy, uh, increase VO2 max, whatever, whatever it is that is their goal. What is the minimum effective dose? Because you start with that first. You start with the minimum effective dose because you can always add later on. But if you try to go with the maximum effective dose and you try to like put a two hour long workout on them or you try to get them to run five kilometers right off the bat, what's going to happen is, is that probably their body's going to break down, probably going to get injured, probably going to mess themselves up, set themselves back. And it's a lot harder to actually pare down than it is to add things as you go along. Mm -hmm. So... What I mean by that is if you have the minimum effective dose, then you can add another exercise on there when you get used to the minimum effective dose because you're still getting the results that you want. And then let's like eke up the intensity a little bit. Let's make it a little bit harder. It's what we call progressive overload in the, in the fitness terms. You know, we just like eke it up a little bit harder, you know, make it a little bit uh, more intense, but not in a way that's not going to fit what you, what you can or can't do. And in this way, what happens is, is that you kind of like level them up very slowly. And I look at it from a video game perspective. Uh, if I were to start a game on, say, easy mode, sure, I'm going to get killed a couple times. That's fine. But I'm going to get to a point where this stuff is pretty easy. Mm. Then we set you up to medium, right? Once you get to medium, then it's like, okay, you're going to get killed a couple times. You're going to find your way, and then it's, things are going to be easy as you get better along at it. Then you keep on going up until you get to, like, Hall of Fame mode or, like, whatever <laughs> it is, right? But you don't start at Hall of Fame mode and, and think that you're going to get the skills re uh, required to crush Hall of Fame mode. You actually have to start at easy first. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do with entrepreneurs. When it comes to fitness, start with the minimum effective dose with the limited amount of exercises, even the limited amount of time inside of the gym. And for some entrepreneurs that may look like 15 minutes every day, 
For some entrepreneurs, it may look like 30 minutes every other day. For some entrepreneurs, it may look like an hour, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But we work with where, they're, where they are, what they're already doing, and the level that they're at first. And we don't try to like throw on any kind of cookie cutter type of stuff on them in terms of like where we think they should be. Because like you can always improve yourself from the minimum effective dose. But if you start with the maximum effective dose, that may actually overwhelm someone, cause them to quit altogether. Yeah, I like this idea of pro progressive overload, and and I think especially if we think about in, within the context of what we're talking about um, in terms of this, you know, like fitness after forty crowd. I think one of the biggest, you know, potential problems with trying to stay fit, um, you know, into you know middle age is basically just the um, the risk of injury and getting hurt. Yeah. Like you you get hurt. Like, you know, I've, I've, you know, had dealt with some sciatica about 10 years ago, I had a shoulder injury. Like you get hurt, like it screws you up. It screws up your ability to really get in those workouts. Right. So like, I'm interested in your, in your views on like injury prevention generally, but also yeah. like, it'd be interesting to hear you talk about like, you know, what does this kind of mix tend to look like between cardio and strength workouts? Um, and I know, again, you, you don't want to like talk it, you know, cook, cookie cutter terms here. So like, if you want to use an example, you know, use me as the, the guinea pig here, but um, I'd be interested to, to hear your views on that. Cool. So let's start with injury prevention first. So when you're 18 to about 35, the, the levels go like this. It is results first, injury prevention second, right? After 35, it goes opposite. It is Injury prevention first, results second. And that is the philosophy that you must take after 40, especially after 40, because it takes so much longer for your body to uh, recover from an injury. You're not like 18 years old. You don't, you don't uh, heal that uh, like Wolverine, no. unless you've actually taken care of yourself. Now, there are a couple things that come along with injury prevention. So number one is going to be the way in which you lift in the first place. Yep. So they've actually found that the, one of the best ways to improve flexibility is to lift a weight within the proper range of form within whatever your body is able to do. So when people go into the gym, they should not be focused on lifting heavy weights. They should actually be focused on lifting weights with good form and then carrying that form on to lifting heavier, more difficult weights. So, so proper form is the, the main thing. And then afterwards, slowly, incrementally adding weight to that. Now, there's a couple of things that I would add in there as caveats. So number one, about 90, 95% of the time, especially when it comes to lifting the failure, you want to avoid that. You want to actually leave about one to two reps in the tank. Hmm. Okay. You want to make sure that you do that because when you're lifting the failure 100% of the time, it's going to mess up your joints. It's going to mess up your form as well. Uh, and, and when you're aiming for like a PR, that should be like a once in a, not once in a blue moon, but it's going to be something that's like a once in a month, once in a t every two months kind of thing if yep. you're trying to really like push it, right? Yeah. So leave about one to two reps in the tank for yourself to make sure you have good form and to make sure that you are just saving your joints from, mm -hmm. you know, just messing themselves up. The other thing I would throw in there is learning about mobility, learning about activating your muscles. And uh, this is kind of like a little bit of a, it's becoming a little bit of a controversial topic inside of the fitness circles. It's like, should you stretch before uh, a mm. workout? Should you mm -hmm. not stretch before mm -hmm. your workout? Personally for me, 
Uh, I actually like to do a very limited set of stretches and activations before my workouts. And I like to, this is not proven by science. So like if any fitness guys like watch this, they're like, that's not evidence-based. I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. calm down, you know, mofo. Just like, this is what I, <laughs> this is what ha this is what works for me. Yep. It, it is to actually activate the muscles that I want to use inside of the workouts and kind of use body weight exercises to kind of like remind these muscles to move. Because a lot of times when we're, say, let's just say we're doing a squat. A lot of times our secondary muscles can do the bulk of the work inside of that exercise. So what I mean is that, let's just say you're doing squat and your quads are doing most of the work as opposed mm -hmm. to your posterior mm -hmm. chain or your glutes, mm -hmm. right? So that's why I like, you know, I, I like to warm up my glutes and kind of like use them to activate a little bit. Yep. If it's like a, let's just say like a dumbbell bench press, you know, I will use push-ups or I'll use plate presses to kind of activate my chest because a lot of times in the bench press, what happens with a lot of people is that they feel it in their shoulders and not their chest, possibly due to their form, possibly due to the fact that a lot of times our chest muscles are very, are, I'm not going to call them dormant, but just people forget how to use them. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. why they over uh, they they overvalue the shoulders in the, in the work that they're doing inside of the bench press. So mm. I like to activate my muscles. I like to do certain types of uh, things like cat-cows, uh, mm -hmm. thoracic spine activations, and when it comes to a joint perspective, I like to just incorporate uh, dynamic stretches, mobility into what I'm doing uh, before I do a workout, just to prime my body, especially because of the fact that I do work a desk job, right? Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I work a desk job, I'm sitting at my desk for eight hours. I don't wanna take my desk body and use it in the gym right away. I wanna do a proper warm up. I wanna make sure that my body is properly primed and activated before I get into the workout. And I can't do that by just like strapping on the heaviest weight possible and trying to do a lift. How, how about so, afterwards? Do you, are you do you do you stretch after your workout usually? Or I, no, I don't. I don't stretch afterwards. I actually like to get my stretching done before the workout. Okay. Okay. And and kind of just uh, use uh, walking and active recovery to help my body recover. Now yeah. we did talk about the idea of cardiovascular exercise. Personally, for me, I like to uh, do kind of like a uh, lifting workout. One day, cardiovascular workout. The next day, lifting, cardio, lifting, cardio, lifting, cardio. The cardio can look in one of two ways. It can look like an intense walk for about 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I'm actually start. I talk, like a lot of people think I talk shit about uh, running, right? Mm -hmm. But I just don't believe in running long freaking distances yeah, for, yeah. for the fact that it just like impacts your joints. Because your joints, yep. Because of your joints. So, But I like yep. short runs. I mm -hmm. like uh, high intensity interval training type of hill sprints yep. type of things. Yep. I like to do it for maybe at most like 14 to 20 minutes just to kind of like get my blood flowing a little bit just to get more energy throughout the day. That's the type of cardio I like. I don't like doing five kilometer runs or five mile runs or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I just think that doing that over the course of time is just taxing for the joints taxing for the body and it's like that's at a certain point you kind of like lose that that benefit that you're getting from cardio because you're just like pushing yourself to do long distances in the first place for me personally when it comes to cardiovascular exercise i'm doing it for my heart health for my brain uh for my lungs that's that's pretty much it so uh and usually like i say like every other day i do cardio i give myself like one day where i do like absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. And maybe just mm -hmm. do like a walk or just like be with my family and just, you know, do some active stuff or just like mm -hmm. semi-active, non-exercise related physical activity with them. And that makes sense. So, um, all right, this is, I, I'm happy to hear you say some of this cause it's like kind of jives up with what I actually do day to day. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm probably doing strength workouts like three to four times, um, a week. And 
I, I'm big into the whole Peloton like ecosystem and they actually mm. have uh, a lot of good uh, off the bike workouts. So they, um, so I'll do up, I'll, I'll do some full body stuff with them and it's all, it's all like weights based. Like you're not ever using like extremely heavy weights, but you're getting in pretty good workouts. A lot of, you know, push pull exercises, et cetera. So, you know, you're getting squats, you're doing deadlifts you're doing you're doing like dumbbell press uh you know chest press you know stuff like that so i'm doing those like three to four times a week and then i'm either i like you i sort of got um uh probably about 10 years ago i i i had done a lot of running in my life like i ran track and cross country and and all that but but about 10 years ago i started like experiencing some back problems from running so Mm. I actually made the switch over to the Peloton bike. So, you know, some of the other benefits that you mentioned to cardio, I think are spot on. And actually for me, I think one of the main benefits of intense cardio is more like mindset focused and Mm. like mood actually. And so like, if I'm like groggy or, you know, whatever, just in a bad mood, like I can get on a Peloton bike and just like crank for 20 or 30 minutes and then like all indoor, um, you know, a wash in endorphins and dopamine and everything else. And like, okay, that was just like a nice little reset for me. Hmm. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've kind of just become a lot more conscious of is that I like you, I work a desk job and if I am not intentional about it, I can be very, very sedentary for, you know, days at a time. Like even if I get my 30 minute Peloton strength workout in but then i go sit at a desk for like 10 hours basically um that's not enough movement and i've just recently added this like steps app onto the uh, (laughs) face of my apple watch just to be more aware like to your point earlier around you know you got to measure stuff first to like have an awareness so i have it like right on the face of my apple watch now and i'm like holy shit like i am not you know, the kind of general goal is like, okay, 10,000 steps a day. And I'm like, wow, there are lots of days where I'm like not close to this. So the last, this is very recent for me, but just like the last couple of weeks, I've, I've started to become much more intentional about that and to go, you know, finding myself out like early morning or lunchtime, like just, you know, you know, even just walking for an hour and getting those steps in. Yeah, 100%. And I like to look at trends uh, when it comes to the steps as well, right? So a lot of times you can get bogged down on the day-to-day. And one thing that we do is kind of like live by, live and die by the day-to-day when the reality is is that we should look at the trends of what's happening. Are you uh, increasing your step count? Are you decreasing your step count? And always look at the weekly, monthly um, trends when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, it's like, you know, one of the things that you're doing is like doing what works for you. I kind of like the idea that you know, if you are feeling a certain way or if you're feeling low energy or whatever it is, it's like get out there, uh, do some form of cardio. It's going to set your brain on fire. One of the things that I've been doing lately has been um, putting my cardio at the midday. And the reason I do that is like I, I would go and do work from about 8 to 12 o'clock. Afterwards, I would get my cardio in because there's like this lunch break a little bit. And what I found is, is that it sets my brain on fire. By the time I get back and, and I take in my shower and I get back mm-hmm, to work, I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, like I, I'm productive. What yeah, do I need yeah, to do? Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's one of the things about uh, cardio itself is like it just it produces endorphins in a way that lifting doesn't necessarily do. Right. Mm-hmm, Sometimes mm-hmm. after a lift, you you may feel like for me, I do uh, I do 
what we call power building, which is like we start with a strength exercise, we line it up with uh, bodybuilding exercises. To me, it's kind of like the perfect blend between um, building an aesthetic physique and also uh, doing some strength exercises to, to make sure that you're strong. And sometimes after a lift, I'll feel like, okay, well, shit. I just I just don't feel like doing anything right now, you know? You just mm-hmm. feel somewhat mm-hmm. lazy. But after a cardio session, I'm like, all right, like, give me something. I <laughs> want something to do yeah. now. Yeah, Let me bang so, out my next two weeks of tweets right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It sets your brain on fire in such a good way. And I was actually having a conversation about this with uh, Adam Lane Smith. Uh, he's the uh, attachment coach. He's on Twitter. He's on TikTok, all this kind of stuff. I was doing yeah. a podcast interview with him. One of the things that he gets uh, his clients to do, we were actually talking about anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, if his clients are actually feeling anxiety, what he gets them to do is, all right, like do 30, 30 jumping jacks right now. All right, do 20 push-ups. All right, go back, do jumping jacks. And yep. he, what he says is he, he gets you down to a physical exhaustion level of zero. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is he asks them, okay, so cool. How do you feel after that? And they're like, oh, shit, like uh, I'm good. He actually does. He did. He did this with a guy who had just uh, who had been broken up with, with by his girlfriend, and obviously that can be very disturbing to a lot of men. And he got him to do that. And afterwards, he's like, "I'm I'm pretty good. I'm gonna go see my uh, my family right now, and uh, I'm gonna go and start to to work out in the gym and mm-hmm, just kind mm-hmm. of like I'll figure this thing out." Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. Of, that's you know, especially with uh, what we're seeing right now in terms of like the mental health pandemic, we are seeing mental health. Uh, declining, especially in the West. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we can do to mitigate this, especially if we're just human beings, is to move, to physically exhaust ourselves, to treat us like little children. And if there's anything that you know about little children, it's like if they have way too much energy inside of their bodies, they're going to they're gonna cause you hell. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just going to be hard to deal with. And the same thing goes with adults. Your brain is going to give you hell if you don't physically exhaust your body on a regular basis. I totally agree. I think there's honestly, as a parent of three young kids, I can, I, I, I think we, we think we're way more sophisticated than we yeah. are, but we're just bigger versions of them. Yes. So I, yes. I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Before moving on from fitness, there's one more question from you for you there. Are there a handful of strength exercises? Let's say somebody's not even really lifting today or doing any kind of strength work. Are there a handful of exercises that you think that jump out to you as being like most important? Hundred percent. And when I think about exercises, I think about movements. So a lot of times with exercises, you know, people will throw out the squat, bench, deadlift, whatever it is, right? But when it comes to these move, when it comes to these exercises, think of them as movements rather than exercises that you must do. Because there are some people out there, especially with even the squat or the deadlift, these seem like they are completely basic exercises, but they are very complicated. And especially if you do them at a high intensity they can mess you up if you don't know how to do them properly. And for a lot of people who are deconditioned, they can't just jump in and do a barbell squat or a barbell deadlift, uh, especially without someone to professionally show them exactly how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I think of them as movements rather than as exercises. And the movements to me would be, like we mentioned before, the squat. The other one would be the bench press. I don't necessarily like the barbell bench press. I like the inclined dumbbell bench press from an aesthetic point of view or the flat bench or the flat dumbbell bench because the the entirety of the the dumbbell bench presses allows you to kind of like bring your elbows a little bit down while the barbell bench actually fixes your elbows in place it doesn't allow for rotation of the forearms Mm. either Mm -hmm. so so the bench would be one of them the deadlift would be one of them 
Um, the overhead press would be one of them. Uh, a single leg lunge, a thrusting motion or a hip thrusting motion, and uh, the back row and an overhead pull uh, type of movement. Those would probably be the most basic movements. Apply progressive overload to those. Do the same exercises over for about 12 weeks. Get stronger in them. And you're going to see, especially if you're just like a, a rank beginner, you're going to see a lot of ex you're going to see a lot of progress just by doing those uh, basic ex exercises alone. Mm -hmm. And do you have any recommendations? Like, if somebody was like, "Okay, I want to do one of those that you just mentioned. I want to see the proper format. Like, is there a or, or I want to see the proper form? Would you yeah. recommend going to any one place in particular, or just hop on YouTube and find somebody doing I, it? I would get a seasoned personal trainer or yeah. an online coach like myself because you can all you can always do these uh you, there's so many nuances to everything like things like breathing and bracing right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so a lot of people don't realize is that when you do these exercises they're actually ab exercises that are disguised as a squat or a bench or a deadlift mm -hmm. and when you do mm -hmm. these a lot of people think to activate your abs you actually have to suck them in but no you actually have to push them out and brace it like mike tyson was gonna punch you right <laughs> And, and there's this breathing and bracing type of aspect to it where you breathe in, you breathe out, and, and actually, sorry, you brace, and then that's what activates your abdominals. So I would get someone like a, a very seasoned personal trainer or someone that's like a, that's been in the game for a little while, someone like yeah. myself to like watch that form. If not, if you can't afford to do that, what I would do is there's a guy on uh, YouTube. His name is Alan Thrall, and I think he does a, a YouTube channel called Untamed Strength. And what you can do is you can actually search his uh, YouTube channel for, say, squat form, bench press form, deadlift form. He has amazing tutorials on how to do them properly. So so those would probably be the two places that I would do it. And, and obviously, can't just be watching videos. You got to apply it to yourself. One thing I would suggest for a lot of people to do, for everyone to do, is to video themselves lifting. And uh, to not do it in such a douchey way like the TikTok type of stuff or anything like that. Not to do it too kind of flex on anyone <laughs> you know but you want to see what you look like and like yeah. i said with the measuring what you manage if you don't see exactly what you look like mm -hmm. and how you're doing an exercise mm -hmm. how are you, you you know you don't know what you don't know so a lot of people are so scared i remember talking to a client the other day who's like i just can't video you myself at the gym and i told him i was like neil no one gives a fuck Okay. Mm -hmm. No mm -hmm. one cares. Mm -hmm. But everyone's for too you. concerned about what they're where what they're doing. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone's like just so concerned and it's become such like common it's become such a common thing that no one everyone's like, okay, that guy's like, you know, that guy's videoing his lifts. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so you need to video yourself. You need to so need to know exactly like what your form looks like. Yeah. Even give it to the eye of someone who's a professional as well. But for you, you want to see exactly what you look like and sometimes that could be a freak show to a lot of people uh, because they think they're lifting one way, but they're really lifting in a mm. completely different way. Okay. Okay. That's great advice. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Sleep. I know uh, you, you've uh, published some stuff on Twitter recently yeah. uh, talking about mouth taping, which yeah. I've never done before. Um, I think we can agree that sleep is a super important part of the whole picture here. Um, any recommendations you'd have for folks when it comes to sleep? Yeah. So I have a specific three-step sleep formula. And it's called the ERS, the ERS formula. So it starts with environment, right? Environment is the invisible hand that will create your results. And if you can set up your environment, your environment is already evergreen. 
it is something that is already set up. You don't have to do anything. So when I when it comes to environment, we're talking about blackout shades. Uh, for me, it's a weighted blanket. It's a cooled room. It's actually separate blankets from your partner, especially if you have one that just like the hogs that just hogs the blanket. They're usually in every relationship, I find that someone runs hot and someone runs cold. Yep. yep. Right. So so you have like a lot of people, a lot of times. I actually remember I put this on Twitter. It's like, hey, you know, one of the best ways to get a great sleep is to actually have separate blankets with your partner if you sleep in the same bed. And a lot of people were like, well, how am I supposed to get like the nookie? You know, if uh, <laughs> if I if I sleep in a separate blanket, I'm like, okay, you lift her blanket and then you put your hand out and you're like, give her the give her the signal, right? right, right. Uh, so other things would be obviously like a great pillow, a great mattress, yep. set up your sleep yep. environment and actually invest in those things mm -hmm. because you're going to be sleeping for one third of your life. Uh, I remember a mentor told me it's like, uh, get yourself a great pair of shoes and get yourself a great mattress because those are you know, if you're not in one, you're going to be in the other kind of thing, right? That's great advice. Yeah, it is. It's uh, he's a very smart man. Um, so the other thing when I said the environment, um, is there anything else? Uh, I would say to make sure that when the when you're ready to go to sleep and it's time and the sun is going down, don't keep your lights on, right? Mm -hmm. Like literally dim your lights if you could. And some people take it to the other extent, which is like set up like put candlelight all over the place. So you can do that if you want. But you want to dim the lights. You want to entrain your body for the idea that you are going to be going to sleep. The other one is the, I said E was environment. R is for routine. So what is the routine? And a lot of people think that they can just like go from where they are and then plop down in the bed, close their eyes, and just go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And maybe like 1% to 5% of people can actually do that. But for the rest of us mortals... Mm -hmm. We need a routine before we go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And actually, the routine starts when you wake up. So mm -hmm. uh, I got this from Uberman Lab or Andrew Uberman. Huberman yep. is, yeah, Huberman, not Uber, Huberman. <laughs> yep. And I'm a fan. I'm a big yeah, fan. Huge. I think you're going to talk about sunlight exposure or yeah, natural sun, light exposure. Yeah. Sunlight exposure yeah. first thing in the morning, 30 Same. to 60 yeah. minutes, you know, um, just making sure you gain that sunlight on your face. You don't have to like open your eyes in the sun, but just like you can close your eyes and we'll allow the sun to hit your eyeballs and what that does is it starts your circadian rhythms it allows you to wake up your body and when you're going through the rest of the part of the day uh, again there are different what we call like zeitbergers ways in which you can actually entrain your body to mm. uh, go to sleep and also to entrain your circadian rhythm so one of them is going to be your meal schedule eating your meals at the same times the other one is like when you get your physical physical activity you mm -hmm. do those mm -hmm. kind of like at the same times when i think about the body it loves routine it loves mm. being kind of like on the automated routine a little bit so those are the other ways now when it comes to the nighttime Always blue light blockers on. That'd be at least like three hours before you go to sleep. This is a staple in what you should do, especially if you look at your screens before going to sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, that That is like, I don't expect people to stop going on their screens before going to bed. So basically use blue light blockers to mitigate any blue light that goes into your eyes as a result of staring at these screens. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. other thing I would say is <clears throat> develop some sort of like routine where uh, it's almost like you do a routine where your body understands that it's going to go to sleep. So mm -hmm. one of the routines for me is like dim the lights, uh, put on the blue light blockers. I take uh, some supplements before I go to sleep and I'll go through those in the next section. Yeah. And and one of the other things is like about an hour before I go to sleep, I'm reading a fiction book right now. I'm reading kind of like the life of uh, Musashi, uh, the, one of the greatest, actually the greatest swordsman to live awesome. uh, in the entire world. It's an, it's an incredible biography. 
And um, I'm reading that, and you want to be able to entrain your mind to not think about things before it goes to sleep. And one of the, mm -hmm. the keys here is like, don't go on social media, don't go on email, don't do work because you're just going to like make your mm -hmm. mind go haywire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the third one, the third step is going to be uh, supplements. And the supplements that I take are very simple. I, I take in a cam, actually, sorry, routine, which is like, just to add there, we're stopping eating at least like three to five hours before it goes to sleep to and train your body and also stopping liquids before you go to sleep as well, about two hours before you go to sleep. So uh, in terms of supplements, I use uh, a something that's in um, chamomile tea. It's called apigenin. That allows me to kind of like relax and induce a little bit more sleep. The other one is magnesium and L-theanine. I take those about maybe one hour before I intend to go to sleep. And with the supplements, usually if I take those two things, actually I put L-glycine as well and uh, into my kind of like when I'm doing my L-theanine and the magnesium. Again, that allows me to kind of like induce a little bit more deeper sleep. Mm -hmm. And those are the supplements that I use. And those are supplements that I get my clients to use. Now, when it comes to like mouth taping, um, I found in my own study, in my own research, and actually applying this to clients is that mouth breathing when you're sleeping is pretty bad thing. It's actually just a pretty bad thing in general, but mm -hmm. a lot of people just do it as a like a, as an automatic way to, or as an automatic way to breathe when you go to sleep. So I find that uh, taping up my mouth uh, with a piece of like non-allergenic tape, you can actually get a super cheap one from Amazon. Uh, I think 3M sells them, or you could get like uh, brains like Somnifix or like hostage tape. But when you tape your mouth, it actually relegates your breathing to your nose. You do this right before you go to sleep. And then what happens is, is that your nose should be the one that does most of the breathing for you. Your mouth should be for talking and eating. Now, when you breathe in through your nose, what happens is, is that you're inducing what we call a parasympathetic response from your body that relaxes you, as opposed to breathing through your mouth. Like, think about like, every time that you breathe through your mouth, what, what is happening? You're in a stressed out response. What does that look like? It looks like um, when you're running or doing cardio, you start opening your mouth because you're starting to be in a stressed out way. You need to get in as much air as possible into your airways. And what does that also look like? It looks like, hey, when you're feeling stress, what exactly, how exactly are you breathing? If you can slow yourself down and actually see how you're breathing, you're usually breathing through your mouth, right? So what it does is when you're breathing through your nose, it allows, it allows you to increase nitric oxide production throughout your entire body, but also it induces this parasympathetic state, which allows you to relax, which allows you to sleep a little bit better. And it also, uh, it also helps you uh, decrease the amount of sleep disruptions that you have throughout the night. And uh, for me, I was like waking up in the middle of the night, like multiple times. I thought this was something that I had to live with, started taping my mouth. And then afterwards, I can kind of like put my head down by like 9.45. I wake up by like 5 or actually by like 6 a.m. And that to me is like one of the greatest superpowers in the face mm -hmm. of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I got to, I got to look into the mouth taping. Um, it's a little unorthodox, but I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see more and more people talk about that and more more and more people talk about the benefits of nose nose breathing as yeah. opposed to mouth breathing totally right after sense. right after i did that thread um well andrew huberman put it on his uh put that on his instagram and he put mm -hmm. it on his twitter and i was like co-signed done yeah all right <laughs> yeah 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 i don't um, want to seem like the biggest fan you know fanboy but i do respect his work and i respect same. him as a person for sure yeah uh, I've, I've picked up a lot of things from him and it's in it, my sleep routine sounds really quite similar to yours. Um, I've, uh, on the environment factor, I've, um, 
I've introduced uh, eight sleep into the equation. So it's, you know, kind of like a cooling system for your bed. And it also like tracks your, you know, some of your um, sleeping metrics and things like that. So, um, you know, I don't think it's 100% necessary, but I like it because I do tend to run hot. And also it's got like adjustable temps. So you and your partner can have different temps. So I've I've enjoyed that. Um, And on the um, routine front, I totally agree with everything you've said. I'm not a big blue blocker wearer, but I have some and I need to, I need to start breaking those out. It's just a, it's just a matter of being cool with looking like, uh, you know, pretty dorky in front of your uh, partner for the uh, last hour of the day. Um, and then on the supplement side, I'm also a magnesium and L-theanine guy as well. Um, yeah. and I, I have found that that combination works pretty well, um, for me, but it, it's such a critical part of our lives to, to be intentional about and to try to get right that I think it really does make sense to, um, invest the time and thought into how, how am I going to really do this and how am I, how am I going to actually get an effective sleep? And, you know, when you have a lot of responsibilities during the day and you're a parent and everything else, like if I don't sleep, I notice a decrease in performance from fitness to my level of parenting, right. And my level of patience and things like that. So it's super, super critical. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, okay. Uh, a couple more things and then we'll get you out of here. Um, so time management and energy management, two super important things. We, you know, I think a lot of the sleep stuff goes into the, the energy management for sure, but you know, you're a busy guy, you're managing, um, you know, family, a business, you know, huge following on social media. Um, anything that you're doing from like a systems perspective that you think is, is particularly effective for you? So, I th- I like to think about the big picture and then uh, and then afterwards we fill in the rocks after that right so the very first thing is is like have a vision for what you your what your life what you want your life to look like uh, this vision can get like three to five years out in front then afterwards uh, you know this year is obviously a building block in creating that vision then that's where your goals come from for this year and after this year is you know you create the vision for this year and what your goals are and how you're going to achieve it then you actually fill out uh, what the next quarter is going to look like in order to achieve this goal. After the quarter's done, then you're actually going to go, I, I like to jump into just like the weekly and say, okay, so what do I got to do this week in order to get myself to hit these goals and these quarters? So, and, and after that, all those tasks, they go onto my schedule. They go onto my Google calendar. And I like to play a little game with myself. I like to schedule a task onto my Google calendar and say, okay, so how fast can I get this done? And uh, how how fast and how much quality uh, can I put into it to get this action to get this done? And my calendar dictates what my priorities are in life. And so I have uh, obviously the stuff that I'm doing for my business, for uh, social media, for creation. I have uh, the stuff that I'm doing for my family. I have my family time blocked out, and I have uh, also my workout times and the times I'm going to be physical blocked out on my calendar. And everything that I do is is on that calendar to make sure that I take care of my health, take care of my business, keep growing my business, create for social media, but spend uh, the most of the, or most of the time with my family. I like to think that uh, in terms of time management, it really is about creating these constraints for yourself. And with these constraints, that's where you get really creative. And you say, okay, with these constraints that I, that I created for myself, mine is like eight to four. I only work from like eight to four after that, no work, it's all family. If I create these constraints for myself, then okay. So what do I have to get done within these this time frame? Uh, what exactly am I doing that's taking me away from 
getting the things I need to get done and who can actually use to replace the things that I don't necessarily want to do or the things that are taking up my time. I think our schedules, what gets put into our calendars is like very, very telling about like what we actually prioritize in life. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing to me um, how your schedule can just creep, creep, creep and stuff can get on there and like recurring meetings can get on there and, and this and that. And you're just like, God, yeah. <clears throat> I, personally, I found that I have to, you know, just be really intentional about culling my schedule, especially anything that's recurring. Like I like, it's like a weekly thing I have to do is like, look at that and be like, Hey, all right, what can I, what can I kill off my schedule this week? You know, to make sure I focus on what's actually important. Um, okay. Last thing, uh, second to last thing I want to ask you, uh, just on your, um, uh, on your kind of content creation side and, and the business that you've built there. So I mentioned up front, incredibly successful. Um, it's kind of really cool to me to just to look back um, at your Twitter account just from like a few years ago. You were like maybe like three or four single digit thousand followers. Yeah. And now you're like, I, I looked this morning, it was like 215,000 followers, something ridiculous mm. like that. So it's like, to me, like, and I'm sure many others, like, wow, that's so inspiring that this guy just like, you know, kept after it and like, look at this growth he's seen. Um, so I'd love to kind of just get your view on like why you've kind of put your energy into that and then maybe like how you've done it. Like, I'm sure a lot of people would love to know your systems. Yeah. So every, I'll, I'll tell you systems first and then I'll tell you like the why. So, uh, first of all, 8am every single morning I create and I create for Twitter. I create for Instagram now and eventually it's going to be creating for YouTube. And I created that system. And I remember when I was growing from zero to 5K, from 5K to 10K, I remember telling myself every single time, it's just like, all right, show up, do the work, show up, do the work. A lot of times, like whenever I see people like growing on Twitter or social media, there is something that they do to self-sabotage themselves. And one of the things that they do to self-sabotage themselves is actually stop creating in the first place. And I remember I was like watching this guy, he grew from like zero to 30 and like, you know, in a pretty fast time. And then he, he said to his Twitter followers, he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to take a week off of Twitter and I'm going to get back. And I didn't say anything to him because I wasn't that close to him, you know, to give him that type of feedback. But I was just like, that to me is a form of like self-sabotaging and trying to like press the cooling button on like what you're doing. So a lot of times when we're seeing results, the, the thing that our brain says is like, sometimes like, oh, you don't deserve this or whatever. It's like, no, for me, it's, always showing up, always doing the work, always mm -hmm, creating. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's the thing. It's like doing more creating than you are criticizing or consuming, consuming in the first mm -hmm, place. Mm -hmm. So now, now how long do you usually create for? So you show up 8am every day. What does that actually look about like? About an hour, about okay. an hour, you know? Yeah. So I schedule my tweets on the scheduler and, uh, also I put time in there into like doing threads, uh, ones like the mouth tape that I put up there, mm -hmm. uh, just like, uh, recently. And uh, it's just really just focusing in on putting really good content out there. And also not just like really good content, but like educational, but also entertaining, you know, like the whole yeah low testosterone, like symptoms <laughs> yeah, of low yeah, testosterone yeah. is like someone yeah. following or someone commenting that they're going to unfollow you, you know? So I feel like uh, you, you yeah. strike the right mix between like helpful educational content, but also like with a little bit of like a lot, no, with a good bit of like your personality injected to it without like being like overly personal, but you could tell like your, you know, you know, your personality from it. There, there are some things that pop out of me that just like pop in my brain. And I'm like, I'm just going to put this on Twitter and let it ride. Mm -hmm. And, um, and these are like the thoughts that go through my brain. 
And uh, Twitter has actually allowed me to really consolidate my thoughts and really like compress them and just like make them very tight and make them very neat, mm -hmm. make them very direct. Mm -hmm. um, and the why is because I have this mission. You know, I feel like I was put on this earth to help change as many people's lives as humanly possible. I'm going to do whatever's in my power, whatever like God has blessed me with to be able to fill out, fulfill this mission. And, uh, you know, within the next five years, I see myself changing the lives of millions of people throughout the entire world, through their bodies, uh, through their health, uh, through the ways that in which they actually see the world. And that is my mission. That's like the reason I was put on here. And I'm just going to keep on. It doesn't matter to me whether or not like, you know, the million gets hit or whatnot. I'm just going to keep on showing up and I'm going to keep on doing the work. And for I, I think I heard this from Alex Hormozzi, which is a sense that, um, you know, you can't lose if you're not if you don't quit, right? So so if I don't plan on quitting and I keep on working and I keep on showing up and I keep on seeking new ways to grow, then sky's the limit for me and I'm just going to keep on showing up and doing the work anyways. That's all I can do and let the results kind of like, you know, figure themselves out a little bit. Along the way I'll get mentors, along the way I'll figure out faster ways to do things, but I can't figure those things out without just showing up and doing the work. So that's why I do what I do. That's how I create. Love it. I love yeah. it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Anything unexpected happened to you growing this huge audience? Was there any, has any yeah. meeting somebody or anything weird or anything like that happened? Well, well getting followed by like certain people is yeah. a trip, you know, yeah. like, so when Andrew Huberman followed me, I was like, whoa. And I like, That's cool. John Cena followed me and, um, That's awesome. It's just like all these people that like CZ Binance, like all these people that, that just like followed me because of the words that I put out there. I'm mm -hmm. just so surprised and, uh, and blessed and grateful. Uh, the other one was, uh, just me kind of like dealing with the idea that, Hey, guess what? Like not everyone's going to like you, you know, putting yourself out there. Some people mm -hmm. are just going to mm -hmm. like talk shit and do all this kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was like a little bit of a journey that I had to go through with myself, which is like, which is to say that, Hey, I, I put out nothing but like positivity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, well, actually 99% positivity and stuff. And <laughs> there's just some people out there that, uh, that just kind of like hate on that yeah, or just don't yeah. like it or just don't like you. And I've actually come to accept that, uh, if you're mm -hmm. not doing big things out here in this world and mm -hmm. people aren't necessarily hating you or they don't, they're not, or you don't have a certain kind of like small percentage of people that dislike you, then there's probably something wrong that you're doing. I mean, not everyone is going to like you. And that's, uh, that's actually something that. Uh, I, I got excited about in the fact that, hey, like, guess what? Not everyone has to like me, mm -hmm, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I can actually allow myself to to be disliked, and that's okay. That's their opinion. I'll let them have it. I still love them. Still, you know, I hope they kind of, like, consolidate whatever's, like, happening in their lives. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that was, like, one of the surprising things, like, to me. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, guess what? Uh, every single kind of, like, little obstacle, every single kind of thing that you go through, it's, uh, to me, it's, like, an area of improvement. It's a, it's a kind of, like... Uh, it's a little bit of like a side of myself where I'm like, oh shit, maybe I didn't necessarily know that part until it actually came up. Now I get to work on it. Now I get to know where it came from and now I get to actually improve it to make myself a better person. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. Good stuff, man. And aggressive use of the block button if you need to. Um, I, I like I can... to mute, actually. To mute. Okay, I okay. like to mute now because I, I find it, number one, um, I actually heard this from Grant Cardone and he was just saying that, hey, um, they're giving me free promo, right? They're mm -hmm. still increasing my reach, whether it be in a negative or positive manner, That's whatever true. it is, they're yeah. still increasing my reach. So I'm Plus just going to they don't know them. if you've muted them. They, yeah, they exactly. do know if you blocked them, but they don't it's know. It's like punching the them. air, you know, it's yeah. like, ah, punching the air. 
Um, and at the same time, it's just like, hey, just mute and uh, let them do their thing. Let them keep on kind of engaging and yep. doing all that kind of stuff. And unless it's like someone that's just like, you know, violence and someone yeah, that you yeah. feel like is going to like do some like major like physical right. harm or whatever, yeah. then you block them. Right. Yeah. But uh, either way, it's just like if it's just like a someone that's trying to insult you, I'm like, OK, cool. You know, have at yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, great job. Uh, it's been fun to watch your growth. And uh, like I said, it's been inspiring for me, for tons of tons of people who who follow you to see um, what's possible when you, um, to use your words, just show up and, you know, keep doing the work, man. I think that's a great yeah. message. Um, all right. My last question for you, uh, I promise, and uh, we'll get you on your way. You got a lot of stuff to do, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Kind of a big question, but it's one I like to to ask everyone to close out these episodes. And that is, um, curious if there's one thing in life that you've think you've figured out at this point that maybe others are not quite there yet. Every single uh, area of your life that you, or every single goal that you're after, is a level of you that you have to build yourself up to. When I was changing, when I was transforming my body, it was like a self development journey that was hidden amongst this. Uh, this journey of transforming my body, losing weight, getting myself in shape, and you learn so much about yourself, and you have to level up your thoughts, your beliefs, and your actions as a result to get to the goal that you are. You cannot be the same person that uh, you are trying to hit a goal that you never hit before. And this goes with uh, parenting, it goes with finances, it goes with health. You cannot have the same thoughts and beliefs that you had before if you want to reach a new level. I remember talking to one of my mentors, his name's Matt Gallant. I'm going to have him on the podcast soon. And um, we were talking about business and he was just saying like, hey, every single level of income of business from going zero to one, from going uh, one to five, from going five to 10 million, whatever it is, there's going to be different boogeymans at every step of the corner. And you actually want to possibly mitigate these boogeymans before they come. But at the same time, be ready for them and understand that's just like a next level of uh, new level of thought, belief, and actions that you have to take as a result to get to that next level. It's all a game. So that's that's probably the thing I'll leave people with. It's just like if you want to change yourself, whatever it is, and you want to be like a greater and evolved version of yourself, then you can't take the old you with you. You got to be a new person. That's great advice. Great advice. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna think on that one for a while, man. That's uh that that's a that's a great one to leave me with. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, I'm sure everybody's going to want to go follow you now if they haven't already. So uh, where can they find you? Where should we point people? Uh, Twitter, go to FitFounder. On Instagram, go to DamnFounder. Uh, I may actually change the Twitter one to DamnFounder and just like you know, completely just brand it like that. And on uh, YouTube, just search out Dan Go and uh, should be there. And, uh, and I really do appreciate podcast? being there. How about your uh, podcast? Your, is called yeah. The Dan Go Show. So just search that on uh, any of your podcast channels. You should be able to find it. Cool, cool. Um, and I'll link to everything that you just mentioned um, in the show notes. So folks, just uh, open up that app and click on all those buttons and you'll be able to find Dan on all these different platforms. So Appreciate Dan, it. this was awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time to, to do this. Uh, real kind of fun moment for me as someone who's been a fan of yours for a while. So um, appreciate your appreciate your time. All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. I appreciate being here. Hey, everyone. It's Greg again. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Dan. 
Check out the show notes for links to all of his social accounts. You're going to want to head over there to follow him and stay up to date with all of his latest thinking. Uh, also, as I said up front, I'll be sharing some of my favorite takeaways from this episode in this week's Intentional Wisdom newsletter. Head on over to gregcampion.substack.com to subscribe. All right, that's it for today, my friends. If you like this episode, give us a review wherever you're listening and share it with a friend or on your favorite social network. That would be much appreciated. I appreciate you listening and I will see you next time.